Welcome to the show. My guest is a writer friend of mine. Please welcome Catherine E. Lewis. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. <laughs> uh, so Catherine and I have uh, been friends for a minute, uh, met in grad school yep. and friends ever since. Uh, one thing I want to talk about first before we hear the best story you've never told publicly or maybe even privately, I don't know, which mm. is the, the, the concept of this podcast where <laughs> I have friends embarrass themselves for my benefit yep. and, 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 and everyone, everyone in the world, really, to, yes. to kind of hear these untold tales. But uh, I know you're from screenwriting and you've written in TV, animation, all these different mediums, mm -hmm. uh, but you've written a book with your sister, Rebecca Lewis, yes, uh, called Convergence, Book One, Incarnation. Can I can I give you the quick pitch? Yes. Okay, I'll pitch please it. Please do. <laughs> I'll, pi I'll pitch it for the audience. It's uh, the story of what happens when a high school girl moves in with her grandmother in a town she's not familiar with, and then very unfamiliar things happen to her as she learns the identity of her grandmother and ultimately the rest of her family, and like wild fantastical things occur yeah that's a great pitch thanks that's better than i've ever pitched it <laughs> what oh i should i like the familiar and unfamiliar thing that you did that was really good oh thank you yeah. uh so i read the book it was again that's how i could pitch it the way i did <laughs> but as knowing you from screenwriting i'm curious uh for anyone who wants to write a novel like you did and this is like a 200 plus page novel mm -hmm. Uh, here's the quick question before we launch into your, you know, why we're here. But how do you plan out a book? I like for real, like, I, I, do you, did, what was your process? Did you outline? Do you free write? Like, how do you? Yeah, uh, it took us a really long time. Um, this is the first book in a series. So we were also doing work of like figuring out the other stories we were going to tell, like the overall arc. Um, but it, we started it like during our last year of USC. So um, that was 10 years ago at this point, I think. Um, so we basically had this idea um, and then just started, am I being really quiet? You can speak a little louder. Okay. I'm very quiet voiced, so uh, I'll go closer. Um, so we had this idea and then we just sort of started outlining it just in our spare time because we both have full-time jobs. And so we, yeah, it took us years to get the story down for the first book and figure out the mythology because there is like a whole mythology to it. Um, figuring out the characters and, you know, what we needed to set up in the first book in, in order to have the whole series. So it took us a, a really long time and then basically 
we did outlines by chapters. Um, and then there was a lot of things that needed to change when we started writing it. Um, and even writing it took us a while because neither of us had written a book before. Yeah. And unlike in screenwriting, where you just like have three words to describe something, uh, for the most part, uh, in this you have to describe everything, which uh, was a lot to learn. Um, but yeah, and then you know it finally came together to a point where we felt like we wanted to share it, and we wanted to. S- we sort of looked around to see, you know finding a publisher or maybe an agent but ultimately we just decided to to do it ourselves and self-publish it because that was the way we were gonna kind of keep our own ownership over it and be able to complete the rest of the series so it took us a really long time between it came out last august so 2021 yeah yeah people might be listening to this episode like like five years from now Yeah. yeah that's that's why you're the expert podcaster um but yeah it's it took us a long time like nine years but it's yeah. finally out i mean that that's that's amazing that you you know kept kept working on it stuck it out obviously you had to earn a living so you did that through screenwriting and working in television and production and all these different avenues uh yeah i was i was so when you outline by chapter do you give yourself sort of Sorry, I'm getting really like technical, but like, are you like, all right, this chapter is going to be about 10 pages. This chapter is probably going to be like 30 or do you not, or you just don't write that way. You just. Yeah, I think because it is a novel, because I think in screenwriting, you do have to be cognizant of how many pages it is. Like you have like a certain amount of time to do a scene or like, you know, a TV thing, a drama is like a 40 pages or or a feature is like, you don't really want to go over 120 but for this, you know, we didn't have to think too much about that. The only the only consideration for page length was because we were self-publishing. We wanted to keep it smaller so it would be cheaper. So we did have like a whole round of cuts to take out like a like a chunk of the book. But it, it just made the book better. Um, and also for like young adult, you don't want it to be super long, especially the first one. You kind of want it to be easier to read and get through. Um, as like an introduction to the series but so yeah when we were outlining it we didn't really think about that like you could kind of tell as you were writing it out how long the chapter was going to be but it felt more natural of like oh this chapter has a lot of action so it's going to be longer or like this one has a lot of description so that might make it longer Um, but yeah not really worrying about page length as much during that process okay Uh, I'm learning so much I'm not going to write a book but like I'm just you could yeah, I mean, we all could, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know if I will personally do one, but uh, mm-hmm. that's helpful to know. I, yeah, I will say, because this is, was intended for a young adult audience and, mm-hmm. and based on the material, uh, I thought, yeah, I mean, one, I couldn't tell it was like the first time we wrote a book. Uh, okay. I mean, I knew that because like, I know you, but then yeah. two, uh, I thought at least when I read it, I like, there was like a nice job of, uh, I thought like, like re not like rehashing, but like, like recapping something that happened earlier. Not, yeah. not like in detail, but just like, oh yeah, that so I'm, I'm like reminded of certain things. I mean, you did it in a way that's more interesting where it was like oh, you know, getting into like the mindset of the characters, but then you're like sort of refreshing the reader of like, remember when this happened earlier? And that's why this all kind of connects. And I was like, oh, 
Huh. I don't know if that was just like a year, th- a, uh, a Catherine thing or like, a, is that like a YA kind of? Um, I think sometimes when we were writing it, because we had written it over a certain amount of time, we had to sort of write thing- things in to like remind ourselves. Um, so maybe that was part <laughs> of it of like, oh, right, 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 this happened. But also it's like we were just trying to be sure we were being consistent especially with the mythology because you're establishing rules in the first one and sometimes we would figure out like well if this if this is the rule then this happening here doesn't make sense so we have to make it make sense um but yeah i think in especially in ya like it's not so much for you it's like any reader basically is like can get distracted or may not read it all in one sitting and because it is introducing a new world and story and all of that it's like important to have those refreshers because you might not from putting down the book to picking it back up you might not remember um but it's probably just because we were trying to remind ourselves (laughs) what happened uh well i like the refreshers because yeah i was one of those that i couldn't read it in one straight sitting just because of life yeah so it's like yeah chapter here or a couple pages here and then so those refreshers were really helpful to be like oh that's right uh so kudos uh yeah check that out uh wherever you buy books yes convergence book one yeah incarnation yes (laughs) (laughs) so 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 thanks for sharing about your work uh, as a as an author now we're gonna hear the story you've never told publicly before or one of right yeah i'm sure there's many but i have a lot of secrets so this is just one of them but one of them you're about to divulge for you know a global audience Uh, I just want to make that clear that <laughs> thanks that at some point this podcast got global. That's incredible. I feel yeah. like you're just trying to intimidate me at this point. No, I'm trying um, to celebrate like you as if like you're gonna connect with someone like in Singapore or um, yeah or Canada. Yeah, all these far off places <laughs> where they're like, oh, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna check out Catherine's book after hearing. Yeah. You know, learning more about her, the author. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Thanks for that service. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just saying like, you know, you're going to see copies of Convergence book one incarnation. Just people like will like social media posts like, Hey, I'm from London uh, or Australia, whatever. Right. I'm reading this book right now. I guess that hinges on if I tell a good story now. Because that's like what's gonna sell it, right? No, I don't think so. Okay. Just okay. Any publicity is good publicity, as they say. That, I think that, that you, the act say. of you telling the story and knowing that like it's not a story you've told, mm-hmm. is is the win. Yeah. Okay. Do I just start telling it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and I'll I'll ask questions, you know, if I need to, for okay. clarity. Okay. And then we'll, you know do a little like down the uh, download breakdown at the end download breakdown i like that okay yeah um well just to sort of tie it all in so part a big part of the book is this town of convergence which is like a small town it's got a lot of secrets um and so when my sister and i were writing it i think we drew a lot from our own hometown because this it's set the uh, the book is set in maine but my sister and i are from connecticut uh, it's a pretty small town. 
like on the coast of Maine, uh, on the coast of Connecticut. We are not from Maine. We're from Maine, on the coast of Connecticut. It's closer to Rhode Island than New York, sort of southeastern. Okay. Um, and it's it's kind of one of those classic New England small towns where there's like because it's on the coast, there's a very affluent part of it. And then there's like families living paycheck to paycheck. So there's that range. But ultimately, it was like just one of those towns that you wanted to leave because nothing was ever going to happen there. Like it just seemed very boring, seemed very safe. Like the scariest part about it was just like the stories that you would hear of like, like our grandma would tell us a stories about this one street named Gallows Lane, which apparently is where they used to hang women accused of witches during the witch hunt era uh, or like ghost stories of like haunted lighthouses. So like those, that was like the kind of fear you felt in the town, but aside, but it was like otherworldly stuff. It wasn't like, you know, real actual danger okay um so that's just to give context of like what it was like growing up there um and then i did go to college in new york city and everyone was you know freaked out because i was going to the big city it was a dangerous place my mom gave me pepper spray um nice but yeah <laughs> that's i'm sure it would have been really effective i never used it um but like that was supposed to be the the scary place but um so when I came back, uh, I came back during my freshman year, Thanksgiving break. Uh, I ended up going to my friend's house, which was uh, sort of on the other side of town from where I lived. And all of, it was like we were reunited. It was a Wednesday before Thanksgiving. We were like reunited. It was a really fun time. Um, I had my little digital camera with me because this was pre camera phone or like good camera phone age and I was a film student um so of course I had to take pictures of everything for sure um so yeah it was a fun night but it was one of those I don't know if you know who spent time in New England or like on the coast but it was November but it was humid so it was like chilly but it was but it was still like sort of like a thickness in the air. And because you're okay. on the coast, there's like a lot of fog. So like a fog was rolling in as I was driving home. And as I was driving, I drove past uh, the library in our town, which is like kind of in the middle of town. Um, but it overlooks this duck pond. And the duck pond had uh, has these like lampposts that sort of light up yellow. And the way the lampposts were lighting up the fog, it was like this really eerie, like yellow mist and it was it was just very spooky. But as a film student, I was like, I have to take a picture of this. Right. Yeah, like yeah. I, I have my stupid little digital camera. And so I pulled into the library and just to kind of explain the layout, um, there is a one way entrance, which you sort of it's, it was sort of up a little hill. And then there were spots to park sort of along the side of the entrance, but there was a one way exit. But to get out of it, you had to go all the way around the library. So like the, the main parking lot was in the back. So you had to do like a full like little UE to get out the other side, which was another one way exit. Hmm. So like you couldn't go in and out from the same the same place. And then um, so I parked on the side of the entrance, which was overlooking the duck pond. And then there was like sort of woods that lined the back of 
the library that spilled that stretched over to the duck pond and on the other side of the woods was like the police station so this was very much so like town square kind of setup okay um so i parked in the spot i had my uh, my headlights on and I was like, I'm going to get some sick shots of this, of this duck pond in the middle of the night. It was probably like midnight at this point. Midnight? Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Um, but like being in the town, like this is the library I've been to a thousand times and I'm driving around in my trusty Buick LeSabre. Like, oh, product placement right there. Yeah. Exa- yep. Um, hopefully they'll sponsor, they'll, they'll sponsor me after this. Um, so yeah, like I wasn't scared. It was just like this really cool thing was happening and I wanted to take a picture. And I had a moment like I my car was running and I was like, well, maybe I should get out and go down to the pond and take the pictures that way. And then I, and then I was just like something told me, like, don't do that. So I ended up rolling down my window and just like sticking my arm out the window and just taking pictures that way, which is a terrible way to take pictures. Uh, so I pull I like pulled my arm back in and I was looking at all the pictures and like you can see the front of my car and like the flash was on so really they were awful pictures so as i'm going through like trying to figure out how i'm going to get a better picture without getting out of my car because something was telling me like don't get out of the car yeah it was i sort of started getting this feeling and the only way i can like describe it is i don't know if you've ever had like dreams about being in open water and it's like you just have that feeling that something or even if you've been in open water, like you just have that feeling that something else is there with you, but you can't see it. OK. Yeah. So that was the feeling that I started to get. And so I looked up from my camera and I was like looking out where the my head my headlights were. And it sort of was like the beam of my headlights ended and then there was like a dark patch. And then there was the pond with the spooky fog and light and I just sort of kept watching and out of the darkness this figure stepped into like the beams of my headlights and they sort of were it was a man and he sort of was walking towards the library but could have been walking towards the road he wasn't really looking at my car so I had a moment of like okay like don't be paranoid he could just be walking towards the road um and then it sort of became clear that he was walking towards my car and still I was like, well, maybe he's just, you know, I don't know, out for a walk and he's just coming this way, but it's fine. And then it became very clear. He was like looking at my car and that he was looking at me. And so I was like, well, just in case, like I should roll up my window. So I like rolled up my window, my, my, doors were locked and then he came basically to stand in front of the hood of my car and he was wearing dark jeans he had a zip up black fleece jacket his hair was dark and short but I can't I can't really remember his face I just remember like he was like focused on me in the car and I wasn't I wasn't scared but it was just that moment of like reacting so I put my car in reverse and I think instinctually, because I had done this a thousand times, when I reversed, uh, I reversed towards the exit instead of reversing so that I could just go back out the entrance. Okay. So now my options were like I could reverse out the entrance, which was like down a hill and and 
risk crashing essentially if I was going backwards or I would in order to get out of the library, I would have to go all the way around the building and out then and out the exit on the other side. And as I'm thinking this, I was like, well, maybe I'm just being paranoid. But then, of course, in that same instant, he came and ran in front of the hood of my car. And so he was just like in front of my car. Whoa. And my biggest regret is that I didn't run him over in that in that moment. Um, and I think he knew that I wasn't going to. So I had to decide basically like I'm going to go straight and I'm going to go around the library. But now he's in front of my car. And as soon as he got in front of me and I think as soon as he realized I wasn't going to run him over, which I should have, um, he just started walking like he just started walking like the length of the front of my car and he was staring like just staring at me the whole time and like I was watching him and he was watching me and so I put my car in drive and I was just waiting and waiting and it like it felt like it took forever and even even then I wasn't scared I was just like still really alert and reacting and so as soon as he cleared the hood of my car he lunged for my door and I took off. So I still remember like seeing his hand like outstretched as I went past him. And I drove like fast and furious style out through the back, like through the turns to the exit. And as I came out the other side, he was sprinting the length in front of the library to get to the exit. But by that time I had like sped out onto the road and the police station was just on the other block. So I went I just like took two rights and I was at the police station. But that was the point where I started feeling scared and was like terrified and couldn't get out of the car because I was convinced because that the he was so close to the point where he could have like cut back through the woods or like come around the back or whatever. Like he could have been there. Yeah. So my mom was a like an emergency dispatcher, like a 911 dispatcher. So she knew the police. So I, I called her to tell her what had happened and that I was sitting outside the, the police station. And so a female sergeant, she called them and a female sergeant came out and like got me and escorted me in and like told them the description, told them what happened. Um, they sent cars out, but they didn't find anyone. Um, and my assumption was he was going to steal my car or he was going to steal my camera and then the female sergeant was like I don't think he was going to do any of that like I think he saw you and he was after you and that was like one of the most terrifying things to hear and I think the whole experience has just been super surreal because it happened like in a place that I was that I felt most safe and like most at home but it's like that realization of not that you're not safe anywhere, but you can't take it for granted that like that, that feeling of safety. Um, so yeah, that's, that's this best story I've never told publicly. That is terrifying. Wow. What a, what a frightening, uh, tale. Well, I mean, I mean, thanks for sharing that, that one. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I could I could see I could see yes and no parallels to to your book, you know? Like yeah, I could yeah. yes and no, but uh but yeah, what a and you, you to this day no idea what just just yeah. Those yeah. man that tried to lunge at you in your car and kind of stalked you and 
yeah made his move and then you took off yeah this the weirdest part was when i got home well, maybe not the weirdest part but when i got home and was looking at the pictures later like i can see him in the pictures oh. like as a little speck in the distance um i don't know if i still have them but yeah i mean i was 18 at the time too so like i think only recently have i been like i had a lot of self like i had a lot of like self-awareness to be able to get myself out of that situation um but like i was just like i was essentially just a kid yeah like for sure you know so yeah it was it was wild <laughs> yeah the, so there's something to right being being in your hometown a place you've been to a bazillion times knowing the area mm-hmm. and this is like this wild thing happened yeah um because yeah yeah you assumed it was safe and this was but yeah it was just yeah just this random guy came out of the woods now had you had you i guess over the years like thought about this moment or did you kind of bury the this the incident um, in your mind i think i've sometimes i think about it i don't it doesn't really like scare me that much anymore. I think I used to feel a lot more scared when I was like in the car or something, especially if I was driving alone. But now I go on road trips by myself and I've, you know, I don't know. I think if anything, it's given me more confidence of like, if something happens, I'll be able to like figure out my way out of it, hopefully. Um, But yeah, I think but I think even in the aftermath of it, because next the next day was Thanksgiving and, you know, my whole family, like it was I think it was just really surreal to all of us because I don't know if anything like that had happened. That was like a real thing that wasn't like a ghost story because my family, like I said, tells a ton of ghost stories, but it was like a real thing. And, it, and it's not like, you know, I was hurt in any way, like I had gotten away. But it was like no one in my family knew really how to talk about it. And so we just like never like the story was told like once and then we just had Thanksgiving and it was like everything was normal. Yeah. Um. So I think in that way, I was just sort of like, oh, I guess it wasn't that big of a deal. And then it was only later where I was like, wait, that was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. That was a big thing to have happened. So but we don't really talk about it. I don't think we've ever talked about it since since in my family except with my sister but yeah I, I was curious if you had the in the one time I guess you talked about it if you had the stereotypical screenwriting moment of Kath, Catherine how could you be at the library at this late at night and you know that kind of yeah n- that wasn't really anyone's reaction because I think everyone was just similarly like but our town is safe. Like that doesn't happen. You know, it's the thing that happens on the news where it's like the person's like this, this just doesn't happen in this neighborhood, but it's like, it does. It happens everywhere. Right. So, um, but I don't know. No one. Yeah. I, it wasn't, I guess it was good that I didn't get blamed for anything, but cause everyone knew like I would just go and try to take pictures of stuff. Like that was really normal. Mm-hmm. And the abnormal thing was like, that then this happened. Yeah. And so it was like, no one could really contextualize it. And so we just didn't really talk about it. 
Like even when I got home, like everyone was asleep and my mom was just like awake in her bed and I had to sort of like go in to be like, okay, I'm home. And it was like, okay. And then like, we just went to sleep. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> there, it was never, there was never any like emphasis put on it, which was also a strange part, but. Well, yeah. I mean, even sometimes I guess like a, something like that happens, like some like shock event, you just don't know to what to do with the, yeah. the incident you're like i don't even know what to do with this so yeah. this is gonna be living in the recesses of my brain until yeah. my friend requests that i tell a story for a <laughs> podcast and this, I mean, this is the one yeah i mean i've told some people like privately but yeah i think thinking about sharing it publicly has always felt like well was it like that big of like is it that interesting of a story because just I think just because of never really talking about it publicly, but I guess it is. <laughs> I guess it's yeah. I, th- I think scary. I think so. Yeah, because because you know you were there and then you're describing it pretty well. But then like my mind or anyone else who hears it is thinking, well, how creepy did this person look? Is this like horror movie kind of stuff? But this is like real life, you know? Yeah. Uh, then there's the Oh, was it a ghost? But it's not. But yeah. could it, you know, like there's that part of yeah, like, yeah. like maybe your mind's like, well, did it really happen? Yeah. Was it in my mind? Because we didn't, we don't know what happened to that person or, or, mm-hmm. it, or if something like that happened to someone else. Because you're, as far as you know, that never, there's no stories of that. Yeah. As far as I know, I haven't, I, I didn't hear anything else about that. But again, it's like, it was, it's not like it was like in the newspaper, like it wasn't like reported that way and so like i'm sure they looked for him but who knows how hard they tried kind of thing but i don't know i and i think sort of what you were saying about it's like a kind of like a real life kind of horror movie kind of thing but i think that's sort of one thing that maybe has stuck with me of like when you are writing something scary just like knowing that it's not necessarily like the way you're thinking isn't necessarily like congruous with what's happening. Cause even in the, in like thinking back to like how I felt, it wasn't like I was afraid as it was happening. It was just like still kind of doubting what I was seeing and, but, but reacting to the threat, like instinctually, it wasn't like in my brain, I was putting it together with what I was doing. Yeah. Uh, I had a, I could quickly share a related sort of yeah. moment. Yeah, it's it's not it's not quite like yours at all, but it's just like, uh, you know, I used to I used to live in an apartment where there was a carport. Uh, so I would park my car there, and then just yeah, one night I came home late, and then um, I just I looked, you know, I I was grabbing my backpack or something, and then I hear I just hear a knock on the door, Ooh. on the on the window, and it was yeah. a, a woman. Uh, begging for, for for money like like a yeah but she was like like right in front of my door and i kind of freaked out because i had i couldn't really get out yeah and i had to kind of just sh- like shoo her away like no i can't like help you at this late at night like this yeah, is like yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't like the situation yeah and, you know she had on uh it, it was like fall so she had on like blankets and stuff so she looked like 
like a like a mole woman kind of thing like like <laughs> yeah. it, it was kind of like that's scary it was yeah. like frightening because yeah. you're like whoa like daytime you can kind of maybe you know see who's around whatever assess the situation but at night mm-hmm. it's like i'm just trying to get into my apartment real fast <laughs> yeah right it's like the but i think i had a similar thing to you of like at the time i'm just trying to like get out of the situation i'm not necessarily processing like how i, I just got startled yeah by just some woman banging on my windshield and ultimately was just maybe asking for something food money whatever mm-hmm. but just because it was like at night and it's like horror movie feel and then she had on you know blankets and stuff <laughs> yeah. so yeah. she didn't look i couldn't even make out what she looked like but she looked like yeah just like you know when they're yeah when they're not even really like they don't even really look like a person it just looks like a form kind of thing. yeah right right yeah. exactly it's like this like you know this mound of blankets and then, then i'm just like uh i can't <laughs> yeah. help you i'm sorry like i didn't and then she eventually just moved on you know to maybe someone else she saw yeah uh out you know but uh mm-hmm. but yeah it's just like a weird feeling because then afterwards i was like man that was like not cool yeah because what if, yeah what if and then I, you think of the what ifs like what if she was actually working with someone else. Oh, yeah, yeah, What if it was like a, I got distracted by one person and someone else comes from behind and just like hits me over the head yeah. with a sledgehammer? Yeah. Or am I, my mind, is my mind going way too far? Maybe it's just a person that was unhoused and like needed money or something, some help. And yeah. I just, that was not the situation I could do it in because it was like too. Yeah. It was like. I felt trapped like I was like I'm just trying to get out of my car but um yeah because you I I get like you never really yeah. know but you don't necessarily think it's it's like I guess you don't want to overreact yeah because then I'm like yeah and then you when you think about it you're like well I was on with the car so clearly I own the car and this is the person like on the street so yeah I don't want to be insensitive to that yeah but then I also I mean, you just startled me. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you, yes, you, another like, you. That person could have been some other kind of person, like trying to cause trouble. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it's like you don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's like the not knowing. But then, if it does become a situation, it's like when does your brain snap into like, oh, I this is a this is dangerous. Like something else is happening. Yeah. Um, but even then, it's like you still don't really believe it. Yeah, I mean, as I don't know if you were taught this when you were a kid, but people still teach stranger danger. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, this is a stranger who's right in front of my windshield, or in your case, yeah, uh, right in front of your hood. Danger, right? Like I don't know what this is. Like yeah, this yeah. is unusual way to like try to get someone's attention. In your case, this person tried to swipe at you. Yeah, as you're driving off, or like stalked you, or like had some sort of whatever strategy yeah. i don't even really i think sometimes that helps make it not scary because it's like i don't even know what he would have done like i was in my car and it was locked and the windows were up but it was still it still felt like because i didn't really know what was happening or i didn't really know who he was it's like it felt like anything could have happened like whatever that horror movie vibe of like you know right he could be i don't know he could have like a knife or something to break the glass. Like, so I don't know. It was just, yeah. 
But as much as I like, I just I cannot remember his his face, which is I think maybe that's the scariest. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, I tend to uh, I like to ask this question with everyone who comes on, and in this case, um, I'll ask this. Uh, with you before we go by the way Convergence Book One Incarnation out on the world right now buy it on any site that sells books global sensation after this podcast absolutely Uh, (laughs) so how how do you feel after sharing uh, you know very much personal story something you didn't really haven't really shared even privately that much I definitely didn't know about it Hmm. ever Uh, you know I guess yeah I mean it's out there now it's out there um, I feel creeped out <laughs> just remembering the details, but yeah. also it's like giving me a little insight into like just thinking about that idea of real life horror versus like what you see in horror movies and sort of how that informs some of what I write. Um, cause there is scary stuff that happens in the book. Um, but yeah. And just how like that stuff sort of integrates with real life, um, but yeah, I feel better with having shared it, but definitely don't want to think about how I can't remember that guy's face. Yeah, that part might be like the lingering, like, you just cannot form an image. Yeah. It's like, yeah, everything but the face. That's kind of creepy. Yeah. Let's keep saying it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Catherine E. Lewis. Yep. Th- thanks for being on being on the pod. Please check out her novel. Uh, those of you, especially those of you who are not in the United States that are listening. Like yeah, we, we specifically ap- that's who we're trying to target. We're, we appreciate the global support for the podcast. Uh, but yeah, thanks again, Catherine, and um, everyone listening. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, All right. everyone. <laughs> All right. Bye. Hey, if you'd like to know when our next new episode comes in, it's easy. You can subscribe for the best story I never told. That's right. On iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher.